Welcome to The Brownstone with Jara Monique. I'm your host, Jara, and this is the show where we explore how people experience and engage with different aspects of life from their varied perspectives, all while sharing some laughs, some gags, and some advice. On today's episode, we're talking about local politics, and joining me today will be my friend, Julio. Hi, Julio. Hi, Jara. (laughs) How are you? Good to see you again. Yes, good to see you as well. We're on Zoom, guys, so I'm getting to look at Julio's beautiful smiling face and his uh, just complimenting his hair. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing today on this? It is a a nice day out. Um, It's it's a nice relief from the rain, so, but it's it's good to be here and it's good to talk about uh, local politics and how people can get involved. Yes, definitely. Um, It is of the times. Absolutely. Uh, yes, especially uh, we're here in the States. Um, I know we have some listeners who are um, abroad and international, but here in the States, it is an election year and things are heating up. I mean, we're on the global stage at this point. So like <laughs> everybody knows for good, for bad, for ugly, for whatever, you know, you guys know what's going on over here. Um, and Julio, thank you one. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, I know you are a busy, busy man, <laughs> and I really appreciate it. Um, and I also like was so glad that I was able to reach out to you. Like we've been friends, but um, for this episode in particular, because you are the district leader and a state committee member for AD fifty one <laughs> in <Yeah>. Brooklyn, <laughs> and so you have a lot of firsthand knowledge and experience with um, local politics because you're in local politics. Yeah. Um, so I ran for district leader and state committee member this past June uh, in the primary uh, and won, thankfully. Very exciting. Um, you know, campaigning and running during uh, a health pandemic was really interesting. You know, I've been involved in other campaigns prior um, and this, you know, posed a lot of unique challenges, right? Um, both personally and uh in a campaign and in, and professionally, right? But um, one thing that I, I really learned is like how how to engage a community uh, during a crisis, but also like how to continue supporting a community after and during the crisis because we're we're still in it right now, right? Like there's no cure, there's no vaccine, and we're all still trying to figure out how to support people um, and support families. So it is it's still a journey, and I'm still kind of like learning as I go. Um, yeah, I'm thankful for folks. I mean, I'm going to speak for all of us. We're thankful for you and thankful that you actually like are committed to the community that you serve and committed to, you know, and you have been for as long as I've known you, you've been involved in your local community. So this isn't just something that like, you know, a lot of people felt motivated and invigorated after the 2016 election. But I mean, you've been about this life. So <laughs> Um, your dedication is so admirable and to hear like, especially with the pandemic and how it's affected so many people in ways that like we maybe can't even comprehend and won't really probably be able to comprehend until a couple of years after. Um, that's great to hear because on, you know, a higher level, like we're not getting that kind of engagement from our government really at all. So <laughs> it's nice to see that at least from a local standpoint, there are people who are committed and doing the work to just help people, you know, survive. Essentially, at this point, that's what we're doing. We're surviving. So thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> surviving is like the word, right? And like, yeah. what do we do after that? Yeah, I'm hoping we get to that point. Like, I know I'm getting sidetracked, y'all. Sorry. I'm going to introduce the first segment in a minute. But um, I saw a tweet and... I am new to Twitter, so I'm very excited about it, but I'm all on the Twitters now. And it was just like in the States, instead of like finding a way to um, fix the pandemic, like we we found a way to just live with it instead. And that's kind of like the mentality we've all taken, surprisingly, is we're just like, all right, just another day in this pandemic world, put your mask on and go to work. Like, what? Yeah, like this is not how we should be living. Like we should learn to to like deal with the crisis at hand but like we this this can't be the normal of living through you know a deadly virus right we should be figuring out how to move past that um i mean and that's that's above my pay grade yeah yeah um, you know that's like 
I'll, I'll keep it local, like figuring yeah. out how to support people. <laughs> but like, you know, and that's and that's why we're all gonna go vote on November third, right? Exactly, um, exactly. Which we'll we'll definitely dedicate some time to talking about that. But um, all right, so let's just get into it then. So. I like to start the show with a segment I call What's the Meaning? And this is where we take a word that's related to today's topic or one that's, you know, floating around in the zeitgeist and discuss what it means in relation to ourselves and our experience with it. And today's word is gentrification. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So I just start by saying, like, Julia, what, like, to you was your understanding of gentrification? Uh, I mean, it's such a um, a loaded and at the same time, like simple, right? because it, you know, gentrification, I feel like is you're changing a community to or a neighborhood um, to like changing the character, the feel um, and demographic to make it more palatable to new new people. Um, and, you know, some of those changes can be like infrastructure, um, like better roads, better transportation, um, and, and other like things that are changing in the neighborhood. But then there are like real impacts to how that affects the neighborhood. And like, that's one of the, the biggest and most like critical is like displacement and how like that affects people who've been living in a community for their entire lives and their families have been living there their entire lives. And um, with those changes comes like higher uh, real estate prices, higher rents, and um, people get priced out and, you know, move, are forced to move out and, and can't stay in the neighborhoods that, you know, they raised their families in, that they've raised, you know, that they've known their neighbors for their entire lives. Um, and, you know, our, it, that, that has a real impact on like the cultural character of a neighborhood that that has known such um, vibrant a vibrant culture. Yeah, yeah, I think you put that really succinctly because <laughs> I myself was having a hard time trying to quantify gentrification because like all the things you listed, it's it's complex. It's complex and simple at the same time, um, but it is like hard to put like it into yeah like just one corner of like definition that we all could use because it just shows up in different ways in different you know neighborhoods depending like you said on like the sort of demographic makeup of that neighborhood um and but i mean it overall seems like i guess like you said there are positive things that come with it but for the majority of it like for me personally it seems like insidious in a way like you know we're going to move Absolutely. in. Yeah. Like people who are, you know, have these higher education degrees and had access, you know, to that sort of education, have access to career paths in which they could earn more and then can afford to, you know, come in and buy up property or invest, you know, in property that local, you know, people necessarily couldn't, you know? And so it then becomes this sort of like, I don't know, weird, yeah, like insidious like takeover where you where you almost feel like you you can't recognize the place and space in which you grew up and feel like, mm. you know, it's no longer meant to serve you in a way where you're just like, what the hell? Like I've been here, you know, like you said, I've been here my whole life and now all of a sudden we have this influx of people from outside who come in and now we're willing to invest in the neighborhood. Now we're willing to invest, like you said, in the roads. Now we're willing to invest in the schools because, you know, here in the States, that's all tied to like property. And, <laughs> and so that, you know, the funding that our education system gets, it depends on like um, property taxes, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Which is like ridiculous. Um, so yeah. And it's crazy. Cause then also the businesses within that area start to change and then they start to, you know, reformat themselves for their new clientele. Right. So it's just like, it's so strange. It's like invasion of the body snatchers. <laughs> yeah, but it's on a neighborhood level, right? Yeah. Like taking taking your neighborhood. Yeah, and I think like um, I've had a hard time with it because it's it's not new. It feels new because we're all, you know we're all talking about gentrification and maybe seeing it because of you know the media and stuff like that. But it's been around for 
for years and years and years, like, you know, there's gentrification in the eighties and in the seventies and, and, you know, so it's just like, I, I honestly never thought that I would personally experience it in my lifetime. And then when I did, I was like, holy shit, like they call this progress, but it doesn't feel, you know, like progress for those who are displaced. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's it, it was it's very uh, for a long time it was like government sponsored, right? Like the way in the in the way they created laws and and policies to like change neighborhoods, um, and often it was very um, overt in the way that they, they were doing this. And then later on, it became a little bit more like covert and quiet, mm-hmm. you know, and elusive. You know, we're we're providing these these resources and these um, supports and and whatnot, um, but you know, there's an ulterior motive behind it, right? Um, because if property values rise, places make more money, and that's more income generated to spend. Um, and so, like, it, it's it, it's just fascinating the way um, that policies were written to to encourage this kind. Of, the, you know, the kind of development that encourages gentrification. Yeah, definitely. And I would like, um, to anybody listening, like you could of course, um, research all of this, everything that we're saying and, um, come to your own conclusions. But yeah, what Julio was saying about how, um, this doesn't just happen by accident. There is no, you know, just sort of, uh, just the luck of the draw. They just happen to choose, you know, this neighborhood to move into, mm-hmm. like, no, there is planning that goes into these things. And there is laws that happen to help move these things along. Like if you look up redlining um, in terms of like neighborhoods and neighborhoods that were deemed bad or deemed, you know, not worthy of investing in. And those were all neighborhoods that predominantly black and brown people lived in. And like then mm-hmm. neighborhoods where they could only get houses and get certain rates. And even then those were like predatory rates. Like there's just so much stuff that happened that, you know, purposely, you know, wanted to disenfranchise black and brown people. And I'm going to include Asian, you know, people as well. And then, you know, when the tides start turning and people can't afford Manhattan anymore, I'm going to speak specifically of, you know, where we're from, then, you know, these investors start turning their eye to, well, where can we go now? These neighborhoods Mm -hmm. that we deemed, you know, unsightly or not worthy, let's start looking into them because now we can start snatching up these properties in which we set, you know, the value at very low and had people move to the suburbs. Let's go in there now. And it's just like, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. It's wild. It's wild y'all, but the information is out there. <laughs> and um, I guess on a more personal level, how have you kind of seen it work um, in your own neighborhood? Do you think like Sunset Park in particular is, becoming gentrified or is it like a stronghold still? I mean, that's such a hard question because there are days um, when I, I see my neighbor, I see our neighborhood because, you know, I, we're, we're still part of it. it yeah. And it's, it's like, you know, there, you see the forces at play um, consistently. And then there are, are days where you see like, you know, we're, we're fighting back consist constantly to, you know, development um, that doesn't represent the the character and culture of the neighborhood. Um, and it really is a constant um, battle because it, it's like, on one hand, you know, neighborhoods deserve um, infrastructure improvements. Um, they deserve like safe streets and safe roads and good schools. Um, but those shouldn't come at the cost of, um, you know, like development and or development that's like not in supporting like what the community wants or, um, you know, at these high costs. Right. Um, and like Sunset Park is a perfect example of that. Like we're, um, you know, growing up as, as a teenager, um, there's like this a strip of waterfront in our community, right. Uh, along uh, the Gowanus Expressway, um, along 30, 33rd street, 34th street, 35th street. Um, it used to be called Bush terminal, um, Bush terminal buildings. And when I was a teenager, like you did not go down there um, at, at any time of the day, um, but particularly like as soon as the sun went down, like if you went down there, like you were looking for trouble mm-hmm. um, and like it was a real sketchy part of the neighborhood. Um, and, you know, over the past couple of years, um, it's really it used to be like a predominantly like manufacturing uh, sector 
Um, And over the past couple of years, it's, it's been, I don't want to use the word revitalized because I feel like that's not, you know, it was purchased by, you know, developers and, and they've brought in um, businesses, some manufacturing, but it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of retail, um, some office and have been marketing it as, um, uh, you know, a, a new way of doing certain things. And like, I, I think it, it has created uh, an area that is, has changed that, that character a bit because it, it, it used to be, you know, working manufacturing waterfront and now it is different than that. Um, and, I, and I do think that certain areas need to adapt, but I don't necessarily know if that is the, the right way it should be. But it's also like that, in, that those changes along that waterfront, in the, you know, has had significant impacts, whether they're correlated or not, on the rest of the neighborhood, right? Like, you know, housing prices have skyrocketed in the last 10 years. You know, brownstones that, you know, in the 80s and 90s, they used to cost like $50,000, $100,000, which was, af- you know, dare I say affordable, mm-hmm. um, are now, you know, million, $1.5, million homes. Um, and no, I can't afford that. No one, I don't, who can <laughs> afford that? Um, yeah. And even, you know, apartments or condos or co-ops, are are just exorbitantly priced. Um, you know, rents are 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 just kind of like skyrocketing because it, it's just um, it, it's just kind of outrageous. And and even like our small businesses along, you know the you know the Fifth Avenue corridor um, are feeling the the pressures as well because they're getting priced out of other places because they're using the the model of you know the the waterfront businesses as as kind of like their base for how they should be charging rent um and you know like every real estate page or you know website that you see that that lists something for sale like you see like within walking distance of you know industry city or working wa- uh, the waterfront that has um shops and businesses and food and de- like it, it i mean if that's not like um a specul- a speculative and and creating this kind of like dynamic, I don't know what is. Um, yeah. It, it really just creates um, furthering this, 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 this notion that like all of this is really amazing and really great for your community, but not really talking about like, look at this, the impacts that it's having on the community. And like, we need to really talk about how it's affecting everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, you know, when they say it's really good and you, you kind of just like, you question them back, like, good for who? Like, good for those of you who are buying up this waterfront property that no one was, you know, interested in for years and years and years, and that I'm sure the local community was trying to get people to invest in, trying to get, you know, opportunities, create opportunities for people who already are within the community and have been pouring into the community, right? I think, like, that's the part that, um, I don't know. I don't want to know how to say it. Like the part that kind of stings so much mm-hmm. is like, you think like you, you grow up in a place, you live there, you're working within that, you know, community, you're pouring your own money into that community, right? Cause you're going to the local supermarkets, you're going to the local laundromat, you're buying from the local restaurants. Like you've invested in that community. And then, you know, like you said, like these investments come along and they, they told everything as being like, Oh, progressive. And we're going to create jobs. We're going to create this, like, whatever, whatever, you know, Nirvana utopia place they, they say, and then you realize, but now I can't, you know, like you said, I can't afford my rent anymore. I can't afford this, you know, new supermarket anymore. You know, you're, you're shutting down my bodegas. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how are you helping, you know, to give back to us who have given so much to the community, you know, just by living here. And like, that's, it's so hard to like, I don't know, deal with, I think, or to process because, you know, they sometimes can make it seem like you're going against, like we said, progress. Because they're like, but, you know, we're bringing these businesses and we're creating these jobs. We're like, yeah, but you're also taking, you know, from people who's, these are some people's family legacies. Being able to, you know, pass down this supermarket or pass down this, you know, stand or whatever, or even homes. (laughs) Like, that's people's, you know, generational wealth that you're, that you're stealing, you know, and people are, are, are smart. Like we're smart. We understand that these condos aren't for us. They're not intended for us. <laughs> so, you know, that's just, a, it's a lie essentially. Like you're just trying to draw in, you know, 
a different group of people, a different demographic of people. And I think that also plays into it is, you know, we don't have to go into that, but also the, the, the racial demographic of who they're trying to draw in generally does not match the racial demographic of those who already are in the neighborhood. Um, and that also is just like, like you said, can lead to cultural differences because they don't understand, you know, the cultural makeup of a community and each community has one, each neighborhood has one. So it's just like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. And, and and I think, you know, even when it comes to like people moving into like when communities have influx of, of people coming in, like that's like Sunset Park is not new to that. Like we've we've always um it's always been a welcoming community for for new families. Like, you know, it was predominantly an Irish. Uh, Polish, Finnish mm-hmm. um, community, and then you know um, it was then you know a home for Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, um, and then you know it kind of shifted. I mean, there's still Puerto Ricans and Dominicans, but like over the years, it it shifted to um, you know Mexican Americans, um, Central Americans. Um, you know, we have a a, a huge, amazing. Um, Asian American community, um, and now like a really growing um, uh, Arabic speaking community in, in the neighborhood. So like the Sunset Park is is like a, a a welcoming community for for not just immigrants, but for you know for for families and for folks you know wanting to to live a life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're we're welcoming in that in that aspect. But I and I don't think we've necessarily experienced like some of the things that you hear in like other sources of like you know people complaining or calling uh the ice cream truck yeah you know, standing outside for two minutes um the like, piragua man doesn't have his health credentials in check oh don't get me i oh <laughs> let someone complain about mr piragua um but it's also like you know I'm, I'm used to seeing the piragua man on the corner in the summer like that's that gets me excited but then like you see the piragua man and then like five blocks over you see someone selling, trying to sell like shaved ice treats and like changing it and then like charging more for it. And then like doing these weird flavors and I don't know what it's called, (laughs) Um, but like appropriating what we've been doing for years, but just like marketing it as like something different. Um, And I've seen that. Um, I haven't seen it in Sunset Park, but I've seen it in other places. And I'm like that, you know, We've been doing that for like 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a whole other story. Yeah. <laughs> right. We can get into the appropriators. At another time. Yeah. I mean, there's no, uh, I mean, there's no one solution or anything that I could think of. Like you said, it's like above our pay grade, but you know, um, this is just our experiences and what we've seen and how this may look. And, um, and it's going on in other places, you know, not just in, in Brooklyn, but in other, you know, major cities across the country. And I think this is just, you know, I was trying to explain to people like, why do people get so up in arms about gentrification? And, and this is kind of why this is like the perspective from like, you know, local citizens or I don't know constituents what do you what do you call the local people who just live somewhere like residents residents <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> stakeholders yeah invested, invested neighbors yeah but um but yeah but so we'll head to our first break and we'll be right back with our main topic discussion all right and welcome back from our short little break. We are now headed to our main topic discussion known as the stoop. And this is where we get real, put our satin bonnets on, as I like to say, and get comfortable. And as I mentioned, today we are talking about local politics. So um, Julio, what motivated you to get involved in, you know, local politics in your community? Uh, So first, first, let me pretend I'm sitting down on my stoop um, (laughs) because like, I love this little, I love this segment. Um, (laughs) I, I mean, for me, like a real catalyst was uh, 2008, um, or I guess 2007, when Obama ran, President Obama ran for, um, for president. I, I was kind of really taken by, you know, his charisma and his, his energy. And, um, you know, I talked about this a little bit in, 
one of the eclipse when I was running for the district leader that um, he reminded me a lot of, of my dad, you know, his mannerisms, the way he spoke, um, and that resonated with me. Um, so, you know, I, with a couple of friends, went down to Pennsylvania and did some canvassing. And that was actually the very first time I did any political um, campaigning. Uh, and it was just really fascinating and eye-opening to see kind of like how, um, well, one, you know, there were just some folks in Pennsylvania that, that were like real gung-ho and then others were like, don't knock on my door, we have NRA signs. Um, and it was just, you know, really, I guess, eye-opening to see just, just like how like the grassroots work can, can have like impacts on a larger scale. Um, and it was just, um, it was, I don't want to, I don't know if it was rewarding, but it was just very, um, I guess, powerful for me because it was the first time I did something like that, but it was also, um, just exciting and, um, really, I don't know if it was fun, but I guess you could say fun, um, a little exhausting, but it was, it was just an experience. Yeah. Wow. That's great. I, I never knew that you had gotten involved that far back um, as far as like canvassing for the Obama um, administration. That's awesome. Oh my God. I love that. And I think it's, uh, it's so nice to like, just think of a time where like the motivating factor was, was hope <laughs> and possibility yeah. and how beautiful yeah. that was like, just that, you know, being motivated by the feeling of like, wow, positive change is happening and I want to be a part of it. Um, and what can I do to help and support that? I think, oh man, that's, I'm, I'm so happy that that was your experience, even though, you know, like you said, you headed into PA and like that, you know, could have been scary. I, I believe in some respects, but for the most part, you know, <laughs> was a, was a good eye-opening experience. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I, my, I haven't been involved in any like personal, um, canvassing or campaigning, I don't know why. I'm just going to call myself out on that. I don't know why. I think like sometimes I suffer from like political apathy where I just get like overwhelmed. Um, and I just kind of like, I, I don't want to touch it. <laughs> like I don't want to touch it, you know, like I'll go to the polls and I'll vote, but like, I just don't want to get involved in like, you know, convincing people that my life matters. <laughs> it it can be really overwhelming. Um, and, you know, having done it multiple times now, it, it is incredibly overwhelming. Um, but there are like really small things that you can do. And, and we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But there are really small things you can do that like, is very like, you know, the phrase that I love to use when I work with young people is it's very like challenge by choice, right? Like that you can step, I'm going to do this small thing to support this person in, in my neighborhood or in my area. Um, but like, and, and I can talk about that later, but yeah, it is, um, you know, and, and like, and, and, you know, Obama, like you can, I, I absolutely have criticisms about the administration. Yes, yes. Um, and you know, he wasn't perfect, but that's also one of the reasons why, like, I look to him as, as kind of like an example of someone who is imperfect, but also who has integrity because it's like, it. I aspire to be, um, I, don't, I don't even want to know if, I, if lead is the right word, but just aspire to be uh, someone involved in the community who isn't perfect, who is um, flawed, but is also like, my goal is to do the best I can for a, my community. Um, and knowing that I'm flawed, I'm not going to get everything right, but my goal is to represent a community as best as I can. Um, and I feel like Obama did that. He tried his best to represent uh, uh, a country um, yeah. and was flawed, but it was also human. Yeah. And I think that um, is probably what will draw so many people to you and to your campaign and to your efforts to be, I'm going to say it, a leader in your community. Um, even if you don't want to say it, I will say it for you. Um, and I think what drawn so many of us to Obama and even now you know now that he's no longer acting president still draws us to him and to what he and you know Michelle are doing is their authenticity is like mm -hmm. 
yeah, no, you're not perfect. And no, you don't always get it right. But I'd rather you be authentic and genuine about about that than putting up some sort of artifice or whatever that that you you know everything or you have everything controlled because there's always going to be things operating outside of our you know control our jurisdiction or whatever but i think that's you know going forward what we're hopefully all going to look to is just like actual authenticity <laughs> um that mm-hmm. looks for the the greater good of a many instead of a few um yeah and i think that's i mean honestly kind of all we can hope for like <laughs> you yeah. know I don't know if that's the bare minimum to some people like, no, you should be able to hold, you know, elected leaders um, accountable. And of course, you know, we want accountability, but that also comes with acknowledging, you know, the system's not, the system is imperfect. And so those who have to work within it are also going to be imperfect or faced with certain challenges. Um, Yeah. And I think like, like what you said about like, there's always something small, like start small instead of, you know, feeling like you have to do the big grand you know, thing. And I think that's probably um, the best way to start, especially if you feel like myself, like just overwhelmed by it all. Um, and I think I, I try to do that. Like I'll donate to like certain campaigns, but like, you know, just do everything quietly. I'm just like, let me, let me send some money over here, show my support. But the way my anxiety works, I can't be calling a bunch of people. <laughs> that's hard. You know, making phone calls for, for, for folks is, is not easy. Yeah. Yeah. But I appreciate everyone who does it though. <laughs> but I will say Nancy Pelosi, if you don't get up out my emails. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah. So you spoke a little bit about your experience, but um, I guess as you ran for district leader and you became a state committee member, uh, what was sort of something that shocked you or maybe you learned along the way that you were like, oh, I was not uh, expecting this. <laughs> oh, I mean, th- there's so many, so many things that like surprised me about the, the process. I mean, one, um, uh, and I'm going to go back to Obama because like this is, you know, in, in his farewell um, speech he gave in Chicago, you know, you know, if you're unhappy the way something is going or in your community, you're happy about the way something is going, like grab a clipboard, grab a pen, go out and collect signatures and run for office. And like, and I think that's what a lot of people did in 2018. And, you know, we saw that in the U.S. House of Representatives, like, and, and across the country. Um, and like, that's exactly what I did, you know, this past year, you know, I ran for uh, district leader and state committee. Um, and like, you would think in New York state, which is an overwhelmingly democratic state, and in New York City, which is an over, over, overwhelmingly democratic city, that um, things would be simple. Um, but it is not in the least, um, you know, that they, they make things very challenging, um, for anyone to run for office, even for like really local, um, positions. And it's like almost, it is designed. I'm not going to say almost, it is designed so that, um, it protects an incumbent or someone who's already in the, in the position so that like, it, it just, it just really, um, it's disheartening because it's also like, this is what democracies are based on, right? Like to, to encourage um, participation and to get people involved. But in New York, it just really, it, it really is like not, not that way. Um, and there's a lot that we need to do to, to change that. Um, and it's just really like a, like a good old boys club. And anyone who tries to like change that or tries to, um, you know, break that status quo is perceived as a threat. And um, it one, it's like for you, you were elected or you were put there to to represent people and to represent your community. So like, if you're not doing that, like you should be prepared to be called out on it and to be challenged. and it's just really fascinating how when you do that and try to call out, they're like, this is, I've been here forever or I'm, you know, how dare you do this to me? Like I'm, I'm, I was elected or I'm this. I'm like, no, no one's position or no one's, um, you know, elected position or, or anything is theirs or expected or is um, their right. Like 
that that's the people's position. That's the people's um, office. Like you're not entitled to anything. And it just really, what really, I guess, like just surprised me is just in how um, difficult everything is made to be for anyone who wants to get involved. Um, and part of the, what I really want to do is, is like really kind of change that. Like we need to make things more transparent and under and like easy for people to, to like understand that process because it's like, we should be making things a lot easier for people to understand. And like, that's why like there's so much distrust in, in government and our elected leaders, because it's like, y'all are doing shady stuff behind closed doors. And it's like, no wonder no one trusts government. <laughs> that is sad, but true. Like, that's why I'm laughing <laughs> because, um, and I think, you know, like you said, a lot of these people, especially from a local position, they go unchecked for so long because. Decades. Yeah. Decades. We're not really paying attention. I mean, it's sad to say, but we're not because, I mean, we're within a society that doesn't really allow for us to pay attention because so many of us, like we had mentioned earlier, are so focused on surviving. We're so focused on taking care of our families, making sure we have a roof over our heads, making sure we have access to just basic, you know, all our basic necessities that we don't really have the time to stop and think and go, you know, what is my local assembly been doing? Like, what, how has it been the same person for my whole damn life? Like, how does that make sense? You know, um, and so, yeah, like you said, I mean, uh, the whole system kind of needs to be revamped and, you know, no one is above reproach, which is what I think a lot of people who are in these positions seem to forget um, is, and I love what you said, like, this is the people's position. Like you work for the people, mm-hmm. you know, and if you cannot or will not do your job to sort of look at the needs of the whole instead of, you know, whoever serves your own individual interest, then that's a problem, you know? And that's one that, you know, we should hopefully, you know, exercise the right to say we want more, we deserve more. And, you know, we're willing to back and support whoever can provide that. And um, I was interested because you mentioned transparency, but I saw that like you ran your campaign on tea so i want to know like what's the tea julio yeah so when when i ran like my my whole campaign was about bringing tea to um county committee which is the 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 position i'm running for district leader for county committee and like tea just really stands for like transparency equity and accountability right like these are basic things that we should be asking our government and our um our like democratic party to do um and I just like that really resonated with me because it's like, um, you know, I'm all about bringing the tea and I love talking about the tea, but it's like we need to bring the tea to our the way we we operate. And it it like we need transparent policies. We need to be equitable in how the Democratic Party operates, because right now they're they're not. They're like excluding people. And it's like we, we need to be welcoming everyone and not excluding folks. And we need to hold each other accountable. Like if you're not doing what you're supposed to, and if you're not, um, if you're not doing it, like you're going to be called out on it and expect to be called out on it. And if, if not, like in a couple of years, expect to be primaried because like you're not doing your job. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, I'm, I'm not in a local leadership position, but I would feel like if I were, I would want, you know, my constituents, especially, and those around me, my committee members to hold me accountable because, you know, we all have blind sides. We all not going to get it right, you know, all the time, like we mentioned, but that's why we supposedly have this system of checks and balances. Like if you're going unchecked, like, of course it's easy to, I'm not going to say anybody's corrupt, but you know, it's, it's easy for corruption to take place, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's, I think that's awesome. And I, and it seems so like, you know, especially in Brooklyn, like one of the most diverse cities in the whole country, not even just in, you know, New York, but in the country, like to have the Democratic Party mm-hmm. limiting in their actions and their beliefs. It's like, if not y'all, then who? <laughs> so yeah, oh, man. We, we should be a, um, like a model for the rest of the country. And I feel like we're we're really lagging behind on, on how we we represent um represent our, our our borough our city our state um and the party and it's just that could be a whole nother podcast yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely. I, equity is something that I've been thinking about more and more and more and just like what that would look like for, for all of us, um, especially, you know, within, you know, this political climate, everything that's going on, the Black Lives Matters movement, you know, we just celebrated Indigenous People's Day, like, mm-hmm. you know, our LGBTQIA plus community still, you know, not getting proper representation or protection. So there's just so much, you know, our migrant and immigrant communities with everything happening with ice yeah. my hands on my face because there's just so much going on and it's like equity should be the like the bare minimum like you know and if we don't have mm-hmm. the people on from the local level all the way up you know working to provide that for us like you said then there needs to come the accountability and i love i love the tea i want the tea we need the tea <laughs> Yeah. And I hope, you know, you're going to provide the tea. That's why we all going to support Julio and his campaign. <laughs> and um, definitely uh, later in the show, guys, I will leave, you know, all the links so that you can go and support and, um, you know, look at his work, read his work and see, you know, how he's working within the community. Um, but yeah, so I think another question kind of along the lines of what we already been talking about is what do you think people like, I guess the residents of a place don't know about local politics that could maybe actually help them better their communities. I think, and this kind of goes back to what you said earlier is like, you, you kind of get a little bit overwhelmed about um, getting involved and like how to get involved. But it, you know, we all hear about like what's happening nationally and like getting overwhelmed with like all those emails and bombarding and and all that, but local elections are what really impacts your day-to-day life. And I cannot stress enough, like how getting involved and supporting locally really um, can really have lasting um, impacts in your community. Like, you know, city council elections, um, uh, school board elections, if you live in a neighborhood that, that, you know, in a community that elects school boards, but any kind of election that's happening locally in your community is really where, um, like, if you're, like, want to get involved, like, really digging your your hands in, because, like, those are really important. Um, and I think that it is, you know, they have really important decisions on, like, infrastructure, on education, on, um, um, you know, local taxes, on, um, you know, everything that can, can impact your life, right? Um, and it's really important for folks to uh, to try to educate themselves on um, those kinds of elections so that they can be informed and understand what's going on. But also, no, because like they see names on ballots and like, you know, they've seen, seen them for, for forever. They like, well, I've seen them for a long time, so I'm going to trust them. But like, just because they're Democrat and just because you've, you've seen that name forever doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing things in your best interest, right? Um, and we've known that from experience. So it's really important to to like try to do, to get involved as much as possible. Um, and like there are ways like you can do that, right? Like there are local political clubs that um, are doing that kind of work to educate um, neighborhood specific residents on like what's going on locally um, that I think are really great resources. Um, there are, uh, a lot of um, like small neighborhood groups that are um, politically active, but also really um, are more focused on like supporting and engaging um, electeds in in kind of like um, in like advocacy and like a political political work. So like there are different ways that folks are trying to get involved. Um, but like this is like it's all about local, right? Because like this is where the sausage is made. I, I hate using that expression because it's like <laughs> kind of gross if you've ever seen sausage being made. Yeah. Um, but it tastes good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's like, this is where all this stuff is is happening. And it's like super important that, you know, not, you know, national is important too, like state level, uh, federal, like all that's like really important. Um, but it's like local. I cannot stress enough like that. That's, that's where it's at. Yeah. Cause that is, I mean, like you said, that's, that's almost like our day to day lives, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I will admit that like, I, there was so much about the way our system works that I was just so ignorant of Um, one, because, you know, there is a lack of that access to that information within our school systems. I mean, you know, for 
Don't even get me started. Very obvious reasons. <laughs> you know, keep the public ignorant and, you know, and then also too, like you said, you kind of just take for granted that, you know, someone's been in a position for so long, you kind of just think, well, they must have it under control. You know, they, they've had this job for, you know, X amount of years. And then you kind of like, don't really stop to think, you know, what actually, what do they do? Like, what is their role? And so um, I've had to, you know, take that sort of um, initiative on my own. Um, And like you said, accountability comes, you know, personally too, for all of us, because we're, you know, as people who are able to vote um, and have that right, like in exercising it, we, we have to do the research sometimes, you know, they're not going to give us all the information. So I know I've had to like Google certain positions, you know, when, before, you know, it's time to vote, I've had to Google what, what does that position do? Like, what power does that position hold? And then Google the people who are running because I had no idea. Like, there have been times when I've voted and I'm like, what is this amendment? Like, <laughs> and then you vote for stuff and you have literally no idea what you just voted for. Mm-hmm. And you're, or you don't, you know, make a decision because you don't know what it is. So they're not always going to um, put that information out there for us. But, you know, if we if we take that initiative and we seek it out, it is there. Um, you know, now that we have access to, you know, the majority of us have access to the internet and smartphones and what have you, like, you know, Google certain amendments, Google certain positions, Google, you know, all these things. Because like you said, if we can vote for a board of election leader, like leaders that we, board of education, excuse me, leaders, like that's our school system. That's, you know, the system that we send our children to, to be educated. And we don't even know who's making these decisions or, even local judicial elections, like, oh my God, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, it's, again, it feels overwhelming, but guys, like we, um, we can do this. We can do this. If we, we make it manageable for ourselves, we do a little investigating, you know, at a time we, there is time between elections. There's time to, to learn and get involved. And, um, I think we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to each other to kind of, um, yeah, just be more mindful of what's happening around us because clearly we could end up in positions in which we currently reside in a global pandemic with no sight of like that ending anytime soon. So, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for all of us and I'm going to hold myself accountable and hopefully we can hold each other accountable as well to, to get involved and to at least just learn about our local politics. And thank you for sharing all of that. And, um, oh, okay. So with your involvement in local politics, specifically within Sunset Park, um, why have you decided to stay and reinvest in Sunset instead of like so many people just being like, you know what, I can go buy a house in Florida with mad amount of space, five bedrooms, a pool. I have my own private beach. And you were like, no, mm-hmm. I've stayed here. <laughs> it is um and that's so funny because there are several family members um have like moved to florida so it's so <laughs> funny that you've said that i was like you throw me under the bus there guys. um but you know it this is like this is my home right like this is where my family came from i moved to from puerto rico like this is where i have roots like this is where i went to school um and it is one it's hard to imagine my life living anywhere else um because i've been here for so long and I don't know if that's like kind of um, like naive to say because so many people like grow up in a place and then leave and move someplace else. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know if that's like a normal experience, but like for me, like this is where like my family is. This is where my friends are. Um, this is where my roots are. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough um, a couple of years ago to to be able to buy a co-op, which was um you know, challenging, but it was also like really, I was, you know, a great opportunity. And, and I know that's not the experience of, of a lot of people, but um, it was, um, you know, it, it's my little part of the neighborhood. Like it is, and it's also something about a co-op is just like, really, like, I know the people in my building, like they're, like, I know them, I know their, their names. I know their kids, like they're my neighbor's daughter, like, get super excited when she sees me mm-hmm. um and it's like that's like that's how I grew up right like I've known my on my mom's block the neighbor like she knew me when I was in my mom's belly like and she as soon as she meets anyone like she says like I've known Julio since he was in my um <laughs> uh his mom's belly like that 
like that that I, like that's that's a neighborhood like culture or just like environment for me and um i can't imagine going someplace else and finding that mm. without like having to spend years recreating that um and like that's that's sunset park for me and i feel like that you know for other people that's an experience that's the experience too um but you know and you know people who who i know who moved here recently like are like we welcome and embrace people who, who move here like one of my closest friends um has lived in the neighborhood for about 10 years now and like that's one of the reasons why she loves the neighborhood too is because it's like that that's it's a you know sunset park is a family yeah. um and that you know that's why I stay. Like this is my my community, yeah. our community. It's not mine, but it's. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, one congratulations at your co-op, and I told you this before. But I was like so proud of you for you know owning you know your home and being able to invest in that, and like that is the dream. That is the goal for so many of us, especially having grown up in a place like. Um, it's so funny that you said like people, you know, grow up and they move away. And like for me as a child, like in Sunset Park, like I always kind of wanted to move away um, from Brooklyn. I, you know, you always have your your eye on the far distant space. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it'll be, I want to go to California where it's always sunny. And, you know, like that was like in my head, I was like, if I could move, you know, to Southern California, it would just be a dream. And then um, didn't, you know, as all children and teenagers do didn't appreciate you know what you had when you had it um Mm -hmm. and growing up in sunset park being from brooklyn has changed my life in so many ways in the opportunities it's given me access to in the ways in which i'm able to move about the world like the literal world and go i feel almost anywhere and be like i'm good because i've lived in one of the most diverse places (laughs) in the world so i'm just like not phased or shocked by by anyone. I'm just, I'm like, I can get along with anyone. I'm like, because I grew up where, you know, we all had different, you know, cultures within our family, spoke different languages, had a different story, but there was still, like you said, community. Um, and that's like a lesson and a, a blessing that, you know, I'll never take for granted. But it's it's so crazy now having wanted to move away when I was younger. And like then my family, you know, we fell on hard times and we we um, we had to move because we got evicted. We couldn't afford, you know, the housing and stuff like that. So being forced to then move. And like now I look back and I'm like, oh, my God, what I wouldn't give to be able to be back in Sunset Park again, you know, and it's just this weird circle, you know, of life and, and how it goes. But like um, like we'd mentioned earlier, parts of that have changed and like it's not necessarily accessible in the same way as it as it used to be at least for me right now you know so Mm -hmm. um but I I love that like you're still there and that you're still you know living in the community involved in the community and every time I get to go back I'm just like oh home and I you know stop by you know my pizzeria and I say what's up to people (laughs) you know I go to the bakery I go to like you know and I'm like I need to get my sandwich I need to get my cafe and then I I, you know I feel good like (laughs) to be home again you know yeah, exactly. It's it's crazy. Um, but yeah, but even like, yeah, but it, it's like, it's the same, but it's changed at the same time because, you know, we're all grown now and a lot of people have moved away. Some people thought, so it's, it's definitely, um, it's interesting, you know, but I, I love that. I love that you're still in, even more invested now because you have a home <laughs> in Sunset and now you're also working to be a leader in, in Sunset as well, which is, which is awesome. (laughs) Guys, we're going to head to our last and final break and we'll be right back. And we're back from our last and final break. And now it's time for the roundup. And this is the time where we wrap up our discussion, um, what we've learned, what we've talked about. And this will also be the space for listener letters and feedback should you all want to write into the show at the brownstone podcast at gmail.com. And so, uh, Julia, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but we can go a little more in depth. Um, what are some ways that people, um, especially young people, can get involved in their local communities, either politically or otherwise? Yeah, I mean, there are so many ways uh, to get involved. I-, I think, you know, if you're looking to get involved in in the way like things happen in your community um like there's um like if you live in new york city there's community boards 
which are are really like your most local uh, local level of government. Um, some people call them really bureaucratic, but I think they're they're prime for new energy and new younger voices, particularly. Um, you know, when I joined my community board, it was like fifty percent people over the age of fifty, um, and like now you know, where we have a much um, more mixed uh, age range, a much more diverse group of, of people. But like, the, it's it's just really great. One, a great way to to meet and interact with your neighbors. But like we talk about and, and you know, vote on things that uh, can have impacts on your community. And I think it's really important for, for folks to get involved. If not to join your community board, at least try to attend meetings. A lot of them are being held virtual right now. So they're being streamed, um, but you can attend as like a public attendee, but they're really important for folks to, I think, to get involved. Um, and you don't even have to be a community board member to be, uh, to attend one of the committees. So like, if you're really passionate about education or your parks, you can ask to be appointed to um, the education or parks committee um, and like be part of like how those, like those decisions get made. So like that, that's really um, important. Um, and I talked about like political clubs um, and like other uh, neighborhood groups, like those are are really important because like they shape and support people who are like running to change the system. Like, you know, one of the groups that um, I was endorsed by New Kings Democrats um, is really like trying to change the way um, the Brooklyn Democratic Party um, is like does and conducts business because like right now, like you know, they do some shady stuff and like they've been trying to change, but like we need people to hold them accountable. Um, and, um, you know, New, New Kings Democrats is really um, has been like leading the charge and, and has like a really great base of, of folks who from across Brooklyn who like believe in that. Um, and like there are countless other political uh, clubs all over Brooklyn, all over New York City that are doing that work. Um, like in Brooklyn, there's like Central Brooklyn Independent Democrats. Um, there's uh, Independent Democrats of Brooklyn, um, Manhattan. Um, oh my goodness, I'm escaping names at the moment. There's uh, Jim, Jim Owl's uh, uh, Liberal Club. Like there's so many political clubs, um, both in New York City, across the country, um, that are really, that, you know, support um, candidates who are really trying to change the system. Um, and then like, you know, the position I ran for, for district leader county committee, a district leader state committee, um, I represent assembly district 51 on the executive committee. Um, but I also sit on county committee and county committee is the Kings County democratic county committee. It's a mouthful, <laughs> but essentially it's the, the local Brooklyn democratic party. Like we all know about like the national democratic party and like yeah. they're kind of imperfect as mm -hmm. well. Um, then there's like the state democratic party, but each county across the country has their own kind of local democratic party and ours, um, you can run for your own position on the local democratic party called county committee and represent like the, a couple of square blocks of where you live. So like when I first got involved in county committee, I ran two years ago to represent the district I grew up in. Um, and like I, you know, collect the petition, petition signatures from like people I've known my entire life. And like, that was one, a, a really great way to like reconnect with some folks, but also tell them like, this is what I want to do in county committee. Um, and like, it's just a really great way for folks to get involved and, and help change um, the way they do certain things. And, and, you know, they can also bring the tea to county committee because like we need more folks to, 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 to ensure that, that they're doing what they're supposed to do. Um, Cause it's like, we, we, we don't necessarily have a lot of control of the national democratic party control, like does their business, but we absolutely should be demanding from our local, local leaders that like they're doing things above board and, and they're like representing um, our neighbors um, and also like supporting candidates that do the exact same thing, right? Like there's no reason why they're supporting candidates that are like doing shady business or doing things behind closed doors that aren't necessarily reflective of the neighborhoods that they're seeking to represent. Um, so like, yeah, those are some ways to get involved. And like, there are like, so like others 
Um, but like, yeah, it, it's all about local, local that, that really is um, the key to, to understanding and, and changing things that you don't like or changing things that need to, to be changed in your community. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for sharing all those different ways. Um, yeah. I, my mind is almost like blown by how much I don't know <laughs> that I'm like, Oh my God, wait, what? <laughs> like the County committee, like you could actually be, you know, a part of these things and influence for like, you know, like you said, a couple of blocks in the squares conference of like your actual, like real neighborhood and block that you live on. I mean, like it doesn't get more local than that. Like, you know, yeah. like, and uh, how much, how many of us just had no idea. So thank you so much for, for sharing that. And I encourage, you know, everyone listening, if you're able to, um, you know, get involved, volunteer, or even just, just look into it. Um, I would encourage us all to, to, uh, to at least do that much. Um, especially if you're here in the States. Um, I know it works you know, differently in other states and other, um, municipalities, but, um, yeah, I would just encourage us all to like now more than ever, just kind of get involved on a local level in whatever capacity we can. Like, obviously everyone's circumstances are different. Um, we are, as we've mentioned several times, still in a pandemic. So, um, however is feasible for you, even if it's just a matter of like, understanding how things work. I think that would just be so helpful for, for all of us. And, um, I'm definitely going to have Julio's website, um, in the show notes so that we can all go and support him and read about the work he's doing, donate to his campaigns. Yes, yes, yes. You know, this, he, his, the work that he does and he does a lot, it is a volunteer unpaid position y'all. So yes, People are investing in us, investing in our communities, and they are not being compensated for it. So we show some love, okay? <laughs> I'm happy to do it, of course. Like, this, yes, is, this yes. is what I love. Um, yeah, there's an, a volunteer unpaid position uh, that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that says it all, yeah. For a lot of us that care. <laughs> yeah, and then um, any, any uh, last words, anything else you want to share before we uh, head on out of here? I mean, the only other thing I, I want to su- suggest for folks who, who like are uncomfortable picking up a phone and calling for candidates, like a lot of candidates are across the country who are in like really competitive races, you can, they do text banking. So like they have software where you can text people, um, which also, you know, I don't know who picks up a phone these days, but a lot of people respond to text messages. There's also what, um, what's really helpful is um, postcard writing. Um, which I know might seem a little weird, like who is going to get a postcard, but like statistically it shows people are more, more, more likely to respond and vote for a candidate if they've received a handwritten postcard from another voter. Um, so that's something that you can do. And there are a lot of campaigns that are willing to send you postcards and the stamps and like the list of people to, um, to mail them to if, if, if you reach out. Um, so like that, that's a really also a great way to get involved. That's, that's not as, um, you know, interactive. That doesn't require you to pick up a phone and call people if, you know, if that's not something that you're, um, you're comfortable doing. Yeah. Wow. That's great. That's wonderful. I had no idea. That's, that's awesome. That's something. Yeah. I mean, so many of us, right. Like have these like anxieties cause we don't call people anymore. And so like, mm-hmm. you know, especially strangers is like that overwhelming, like, Oh, I don't want to get hung up on. We all have like those sort of telemarketer campaigning experiences. Oh, yeah. But that's wonderful, being able to write something to someone or even like the text. Um, I've also done one. There's so many, um, oh man, there's so many awesome organizers and people out there, but I've um, definitely done stuff where there are people who will have like composed the email for you. And all you have to do is like change certain things, like add your name and personalize like little bits of it, but they've given you the outline and like you're able to email, you know, send that email out. Um, and it's like, we can, we can all do that as well. Right. <laughs> and I've done that a few times and I found that so helpful. So shout out to everyone who, who essentially does <laughs> the majority of the work for us. And it's just like, here you go. All you need to do is mm-hmm. hit send. Like, appreciate y'all. <laughs> um, and yeah, and so I would just say, yeah, like vote, y'all. Vote, vote, 
vote, vote, vote, vote, vote, vote, vote, vote, vote, vote, vote, vote, vote, vote, vote, vote, vote, vote, vote, vote, vote, vote, November 3rd. Um, I know this is kind of woo-woo-woo-y, but we are in a Mercury retrograde, y'all. And it is in Scorpio. And so Mercury retrograde deals with communication. It deals with technology. Y'all know how, y'all already mm. know <laughs> how technology mm. is working right now. You see how the mail system is working right now. If you are able, if you're capable, if you have the means, please go vote in person. If you can, um, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do early voting. Um, please look up early voting in your state, in your city, um, so that you can kind of try to avoid the day of voting lines. But if not, you know, bring your chair, bring your mask, bring some water and some hand sanitizer. And yeah, let's let's do it, man. We got to show up. <laughs> exactly. If your if your state has early voting, take advantage of early voting. If you can, if you do drop boxes mm-hmm. and you can drop off your ballot, vote now and drop off your ba- ballot. Um, that like we need to make sure that every person who is eligible to vote votes and has an opp- opportunity to do so because, you know, states are doing everything they can to, you know, stop people from voting. Like Texas just reduced the number of um, early voting sites to one per county, yeah. and if you think about like the size of Houston. That I don't I forget the name of the county like Houston only has one early voting site um oh my god and if you think that like that's like the, the the equivalent of the city of Brooklyn only having one early voting site um that's significant yeah um yeah so Guys, that, that's millions of people we're talking about here these are these are big cities <laughs> Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right, y'all. And on that note, that will be the end of today's show. I want to thank Julio again so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for having me, Jerem. So so excited to be part of the podcast Um, and looking forward to to more. Thank you, everyone. Follow me on Twitter at Julio underscore Pena BK. Um, That's where I spill a lot of the tea on what's going on on party politics. So um, feel free to, to, to join me on, on that. All right. Yes. And also, um, like I said, I'm going to leave Julio's uh, website as well in the show notes, as well as his Twitter. So you can go follow him and uh, yeah, please vote. And just thank you guys all for listening to the Brownstone with Jara Monique. Thank y'all. I know I have to stop using guys. I have, uh, folks. Yeah. Folks. I'm folks. Uh, thank you all for listening to the round with Jara Monique. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. And you can also follow the show on all social media platforms. And I'll also have the ads in the description box below. And yeah, thank you guys. Stay, oh, Thank you all. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Stay blessed. Bye.